be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Before we get started today, I want to take a moment to welcome audiences tuning in on FM News 101 KXL in Portland, Oregon, and AM 1030 KVOI The Voice in Tucson, Arizona. I'd also like to welcome our military service personnel who tune in from remote locations around the world. Thank you for being with us again. Our guest today is without question one of the most outspoken liberal hosts and commentators in the country, Mr. Alan Combs. Before Combs joins us, let me tell you a little bit about his background and accomplishments. Combs is a native of New York City. He graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in communications. And while he was still in school, he worked at radio station WRUL. Combs pursued stand-up comedy as a profession before eventually discovering his true calling as a popular radio host on WNBC, WABC, WMCA, and later on syndicated stations throughout the country. Then in 1996, Combs was hired by Fox News to co-host Hannity and Combs. He remained with the program until 2009, and since that time, he has continued as a commentator and panelist on Fox. Today, he hosts the widely acclaimed Alan Combs Show, which is syndicated by the Fox News Channel. When he's not setting the record straight on television and radio, he's blogging on liberal land or busy working on another best-selling book. In fact, his latest book is bound to get conservatives' blood boiling once again. It's titled, Thank the Liberals for Saving America. And in just a moment, we're going to learn more about the important role progressives have played in our nation's history. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report one of the country's most outspoken liberal voices, Mr. Alan Combs. Welcome to the program, Mr. Combs. Hi, Rebecca. My name is Alan. Mr. Combs was my father. But I, ne- I never worked at WRUL. I don't even know where that is. Really? Uh, so I, I don't know how you got that, but I, I, I worked. I think, uh, well, I think you did and you just forgot. It, well, it's, I've been fired from so many places that it's very possible. It's possible you got fired from WRUL, huh? I, I'm not familiar with it, but, uh, you know, again, I, I may have they may have fired me before I started. Uh, it's a possibility. I know we always like to appre- repress those good memories. Well, yeah, right. Well, you know, thank you for taking time to uh, be sure. with us today. If it's okay with you, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into your Wall Street Journal editorial titled mm-hmm. How Democrats Made America Exceptional. Sure. For our audience today, um, can you take a minute to explain what compelled you to write this piece? Because I've never seen so many people respond to an op-ed program 
or op-ed uh, editorial in the Wall Street Journal as I did to this one. Th this really, <laughs> uh, really got some people's blood boiling. Well, the Wall Street Journal is a conservative publication, and I'm not a conservative. Uh, so I'm very familiar with having work at Fo working at Fox News and doing talk radio, uh, what it's like to say something that the audience uh, may not agree with. But, you know, this, this notion of American exceptionalism that we keep hearing that we conservatives think they own when, in fact, Barack Obama is, in fact, the only sitting president to ever have used the phrase American exceptionalism. And it goes to the heart of what my book is about because when I say thank the liberals for the things that make us exceptional are things that liberals have done, that liberals have accomplished. Liberals and progressives, I use the terms interchangeably, and they've done it in spite of conservative opposition. And then as time goes on, we take for granted and... and and love the things that, that have happened and, and forget that at one time they, they were big battles to get them even accomplished. So that but, really was the But heart. let's talk about what those are because the headlines right after you posted this editorial, How Democrats Made America Exceptional, the headlines that came out were Alan Combs says food stamps are what makes America exceptional. I'm sure you read well, that. I actually didn't go and read all the comments because I like to sleep at night. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, Good for no, you. I didn't say that food stamps would make America exceptional. What I said was that uh, for every dollar spent on food stamps, it puts about a dollar sixty-seven into the economy. Uh, I, I was using that as an example of one of the many things that, in fact, helps the neediest among us, and in fact has a beneficial economic effect. To simply say that food stamps makes America exceptional is a kind of out of context uh, statement uh, that uh, is often done by the other side. Of course, but you're not surprised by that. You're not surprised that they've editorialized what no. you had to say, right? No, of course not. I, I tweet stuff all the time, and whatever goes up on my website goes to Twitter. And if I, if I tweet that it's a nice day, someone's going to say, how dare you say that when <laughs> it's cloudy in uh, California? You know, you're obviously lying. Uh, because uh, I'm in Monterey, and it's really not very nice. Right. Well, so. okay, so you're not saying that the fact that we have a food stamps program is a negative. That The assumption here is when they say Alan Colm says food stamps are what makes America exceptional, that's not really what you're saying. What you're basically saying is the fight to take care of those who need support, need public assistance. Obviously, the fact that we have a government net that takes care of the neediest among us uh, is what makes part of, part of what makes our country exceptional. To say, well, Combs said food stamps make our country is uh, obviously uh, the kind. It's like it's like continuing to quote President Obama saying you didn't build that when that was not at all what he said, taken in context. So this is what they do. I'm used to it, but uh, of course the, the the record has to be corrected. Well, let's talk about some of these exce other exceptional things that can be attributed to progressives. Well, um, if you go down, I mean, I go through the whole uh, the whole beginning of our country. I mean, we were founded by progressives. We were founded by revolutionaries. The people, our forefathers, again, people for whom uh, conservatives would like to claim credit, uh, they were revolutionaries. They were far beyond liberal. Our whole country was based on a liberal notion that we should have a democratic representation, a representative democracy, and that we went far beyond what at the time was the kind of laws that Western countries like England had, with English common law based on the Magna Carta, we went far beyond that to guarantee uh, trials with juries and, and judgment by your peers and the right to have an attorney and the right to confront your accuser and to have a whole bunch of things set in place to do away with a monarchy, uh, to, to have a, a government, to eventually have taxation with representation. That was the real Tea Party that fought for that. And so I make the case that not only were our forefathers 
revolutionaries far beyond liberal, that we're now living their liberal dream, but that the Constitution, and I go line by line through the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to show that these our founding documents are really quite liberal in what they provided, in the blueprint they provided for this country. And don't forget, the Constitution's only been amended, if you take out the Bill of Rights, maybe a dozen times. So mm-hmm. um, uh, the whole premise is not only that we are a liberal country founded by liberals with liberal a liberal blueprint, but we're actually all liberals, which I can get into as well. But but that, that's really what, what I'm focused on here. Mm-hmm. But... Isn't it really diversity and tolerance that makes the United States so exceptional? Sure, that's a liberal concept. Uh, right. And and so but but the liberal concept has to embrace conservatives too because they're part of that diversity. Yes, and I make the right. case that conservatives are liberal. <laughs> okay, so why are they liberal? Well, uh, when life happens you become a liberal. For example, when Dick Cheney has a gay daughter and he then favors gay marriage, he he was more progressive on gay rights than Barack Obama was. Mm-hmm. Uh when life happens, when Dan Quayle was asked years ago, uh, when he was running for vice president on Larry King's show, uh, what would you do if your daughter came home and she was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion? And he said, I'd support her. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, when life happens, and surveys show, and I have a study in the book that shows that as you get older, you get more liberal, not more conservative. And you may have what you view are conservative principles. You want to be a traditionalist. You want to hold on to certain things that you think are values, and values may mean different things to different people. But the whole... The whole fact that you live in the United States, if you came here from the Soviet gulags or Iraq or Iran, you would view this as a very liberal nation. And even conservatives are liberal compared to what's out in the rest of the world. Oh, I think we can't disagree with that at all. Of course uh, you can't. No, no, of course <laughs> not. And, and I think that every conservative has got some liberal views. But don't you find that liberals have some conservative uh, viewpoints as well? Yes. Uh, yes. Because I think I'm, that... I'm conservative on abortion. I think the government should stay out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a, to me, that's a conservative view. The conservatives say they want less government. Get women, get the government out of women's reproductive systems. Uh, you would think that that would be a good place to start, uh, but it seems like we're almost sort of fair weather conservatives. We pick and choose as Absolutely. we go along. Now we have to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about some of the landmark programs that liberals have been responsible for. You're listening to the Costa Report. Just about everyone knows that fruits and vegetables are good for our health, but not everyone knows how to build a healthier plate. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. For each meal, nutrition experts recommend filling half of your plate with fruits and veggies. Whether it's fresh berries with your breakfast cereal, a wrap filled with your favorite roasted vegetables for lunch, or a medley of crunchy veggies for a pre-dinner nibble, Dole provides the freshest and highest quality produce available. When you load up on all the nutritional good stuff, you give your meal an instant boost of color, flavor, and texture, plus vitamins and minerals and fiber. Everything your body needs to succeed. For nutritional inspiration and to learn more about Dole's fresh, whole, and cut vegetables and a full line of berries, visit Dole.com. With Dole as your partner in health, the possibilities are endless. Visit Dole.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. 
I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at Rebecca Costa. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy and together let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. Hydrex Pest Control is dedicated to serving the community while protecting the environment also. Hi, I'm Ken Walton, your local branch manager with Hydrex Pest Control. You know, it's such a great blessing to wake up every morning knowing that we can help people solve their problems. We've been in business for more than 50 years and have more than 30 years combined experience at your local office. Call your local Hydrex today at 1-800-318-1162 or www.hydrexnow.com. And if you mention this ad, I will give you my monthly special. Hydrex Pest Control. Look for the sign of the spider. Whether you're starting a new company, debuting a new product or service, or you just want to know that you are getting the most out of your existing business, Link Media Partners is here to help. Brand development, media planning, market analysis, focus groups, social media campaigns, and more. Link Media Partners, sales, marketing, and management. Solutions that work. Call 831-295-1849 for a consultation or find us online at linkmediapartners.com. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? My backyard. Oh, your backyard. Try telling a bear that. I did, and this bear talked back. Talking bear, that's rich. No, wait, it was Smokey Bear. Smokey? Why didn't you say so? I did say so. Continue. I was burning yard waste. No, boy. He told me to burn legally and responsibly, and to remember that if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. And as always, he's right. You know, 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Yeah, I know that now. Thanks to me. Actually, thanks to Smokey. As usual, the talking bear gets all the credit. Always burn responsibly and contact your local fire department for open burning regulations. Because 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is popular television and radio host and author, Mr. Alan Combs. And before the break, you were pointing out that even a conservative like Dick Cheney or Dan Quayle have some liberal values. And I agree with that. No leader in any party is prepared to see children starving in the streets. Um, so in your new book, Thank Liberals for Saving America, you describe liberal programs such as Social Security, Assistance for the Needy, and Medicare right. as part of America's DNA. But mm -hmm. we now have economists from both sides of the aisle agreeing that these entitlement programs are just not sustainable because we're so deeply in debt. So how do you answer conservatives who may advocate cutting or doing away with these kinds of social programs? Well, for every economist you show me that says they're not sustainable, I'll show you one that shows that they are. And there are ways to save them. Although what Mitt Romney wants to do is do away with them. He is not telling you the truth about what he really wants to do, which is after the age of 55. If you're under 55, you'd move to a voucher program. And when uh, Romney and Ryan 
go after Barack Obama for cutting $716 billion out of Medicare. They're not telling the truth then either, given that Ryan, in his budget, has the same $716 billion cut. And it's not a cut. It's a slowness in the rate of growth over the next 10 years. So there's a lot of dishonesty going on, and it only confuses the consumer and the voter. And that's really a shame. But uh, both sides are recommending basically the same cuts, aren't they? Well, the conservatives want to do away with Medicare entirely. They want to move to a voucher system. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not, in fact, they're, they're the same number. But what you would do with those cuts, for example, the Obama team, Democrats would take those cuts to firm up other parts of, of health care, and the Republicans would take that $716 billion to add toward the deficit. So we're talking about two very different things to do with that money. But they're not cuts. They're slowness in the rate of growth over 10 years. So each year, the number of being spent actually goes up. But over 10 years, 716 is being saved from what originally was projected. So it's not cuts. It's slowness in the rate of growth. And they're not telling you the truth about it. So... How does a consumer, uh, a regular person on the street, how do they sort this out? I think you've got to read a lot of information. And yeah, but people don't have it. time, Alan. They, they're working well, two and three jobs. They're trying to hold on to their houses, get their kids into school. Well, I mean, nobody I, has any time to really go through all this stuff. And, well, you and, can't go. Well, to answer your question, don't go to just, you're going to get your news from somewhere. But my point is, don't get it all from one source all the time. Go to different places, whether it's, it doesn't have to be reading, but it could be online. It could be uh, listening to the radio. It could be any one of a number of places where you get information. But the point is, don't get it off in one place. Uh, pick and choose. Shop for information the way you shop for any other product. Yeah, yeah, I, I do understand that. I get asked by a lot of people, well, what sources do you go to? I had Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, uh, on the program not too long ago, and he said the only news program that he trusts and goes to is John Stewart's program. And I, and I thought to myself, what does it say about us that we're going to Comedy Central for our news? Well, sometimes you make the greatest points through humor, and uh, John Stewart skewers uh, really what's going on, and... Uh, you can get, you know, a, a certain demographic really does get their news more from John Stewart than they would from a traditional news channel, and it's certainly much more entertaining to get it that way. No kidding. So rather than take the position that um, we can afford to do everything if we just tax the wealthy more, where do liberals see an opportunity to cut the spending? Well, no one is saying we're going to solve our problems if we just tax the wealthy more. No one has ever made that statement. I never heard anybody on my side say, all I have to do is tax the wealthy and we'll be fine. But that's what's uh, being alleged, right? Well, I don't know who's alleging that. You know, the uh, conservatives would love to define liberals falsely. Uh, I've never heard anybody say, all we have to do is tax more people more and we'll be fine. That is not at all what is being proposed. What President Obama and those uh, Democrats have proposed is simply to move the top tax rate uh, back to th from 35 to 39 percent. So every penny you pay in taxes over taxable income of $250,000, once you get into that bracket, once you've made two fifty in taxable income, dollar one after that would go from 35 to 39%, which would overturn or go back to the pre-Bush tax rates only on the top 2% of income earners when they were supposed to be sunsetted anyway. When the Bush tax cuts came in, they were only supposed to last for nine years because they knew that after year nine, there would be huge deficits if... They didn't sunset them, so they were sunsetted, but then Republicans wouldn't let the sunsetting go away. All the president says is, I'll keep all the tax cuts except for the top 2%, and the Republicans wouldn't let them do it. Now they've got the sequestration, and they're, they're going to be forced to make a deal or drastic cuts 
uh, will set in. But it's got to be a combination of cuts and tax taxing those who can afford to pay. I've never heard anybody say, just just tax the rich and we'll be fine. That's not my position. It's not Obama's position. I've never heard that be anybody's position. Exactly. And we now have a country like Australia who's posting, you know, a, 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 the complete eradication of their deficit. And again, the, the two levers on the machine are raising taxes in a sensible way that won't destroy the economy, as well as making some serious cutbacks and uh, focusing in on efficiency. That's the, the way they did offered it. The Republicans uh, uh, billions of dollars in spending cuts if they would agree to about, you know, a few billion dollars in income, raising money from taxing the rich a little more, and they refused the two, actually it was $2 trillion in tax cuts in return for about $400 billion in, in taxes of the rich, and the Republicans wouldn't agree to it. Well, let's talk about another misconception that people have about liberals, because there's so many of them, we could do hours on that alone. Uh, a lot of people think that liberal, the liberal agenda is one of big government, but most of the liberals I know, they're almost on the borderline of libertarian when it comes to wanting government to tell them anything. So just for clarification, do liberals want bigger government, more regulations, and more government programs? Yeah, well, in some cases, <laughs> yes, but uh, the point is, so do Republicans. Republicans and liberals, or I should say, especially, especially conservatives and liberals more than Republicans and Democrats. And in my book, I don't, it's really about, I don't, it's not about political party because there, there have used to be at least progressive Republicans like Teddy Roosevelt. Those people don't exist anymore. But there is a myth that only that Republicans are going to cut government and uh, Democrats are not. Ronald Reagan expanded government with his Star Wars program. George mm -hmm. W. Bush expanded government by yes. creating the Department of Homeland Security. Um, so the myth that if you just elect a, a rock-solid conservative like Ronald Reagan or George W. Bush, we're really going to reduce government is just not true because that's not what they've ever done. Why should we believe that if we elect them now, they're going to do something different than they've always done? Conversely, uh, you had with Bill Clinton a surplus. Uh, he didn't expand government. He actually created a surplus. And, again, the question is not do we have bigger or smaller government, but what part of your life do you want government in? This president helped reform Wall Street, that is Barack Obama, by reinstalling uh, some regulations, whether it's Dodd-Frank, and coming down on, on some of the same people who actually gave him money to get elected the first time around. It's lack of regulation, which was part of what led to our economic meltdown in 2008. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Now, just before we go to break here, uh, you mentioned there were no uh, progressive Republicans that you know of. Um, if I uh, forced you to name one, could you name one progressive Republican that you think might be on the right track? Well, even moderate Republicans like Olympia Snow are resigning from or leaving their posts, uh, re retiring from the Senate. They're throwing in the that, towel. They, yeah. those, the, the, even moderate Republicans don't seem to exist anymore. I mean, Nelson Rockefeller in New York was a liberal Republican. Uh, you had people like Lowell Weicker in Connecticut who was a liberal Republican. Uh, but, you know, those people... Pardon me, hardly exist in the party anymore because that we've become so polarized. Well, we've driven them away out of, out of Washington D.C., and I feel the same way about Bill Richardson and Bill Bradley too, as as well. So we have to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about the upcoming election. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report.
There's no question that selling a home can be a tricky business when the economy is uneven. But here's a little bit of good news. Not only are financing options opening up, America's love affair with the Monterey Peninsula still continues. Homes that are priced and marketed right are moving. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner-broker of Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel, where we're happy to report that inventories are coming down and homes are selling. So if you're getting ready to sell or listing your home, call Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel at 831-622-1040 or stop by our offices on the corner of Ocean and Dolores or our main office on Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. Alon Pinnell Realtors, serious brokers for serious sellers. It's Friday. You can almost feel the excitement of a Santa Cruz County Fair weekend. The music, hanging out with friends, watching auto racing from the grandstand, a trip through the past at yesterday's farm. As you can see, before the weekend, there's still a full day of Friday fun. Tonight at 7.30 on the amphitheater stage, don't miss the amazing White Album Ensemble. And if you aren't there early, you won't get a seat. Check online for all the details at SantaCruzCountyFair.com. Join the fun now through Sunday at the fairgrounds on Highway 152 between Hecker Pass and the Bay. There's no better way to have more fun in the day than Santa Cruz County Fair. For the last 60 years, Coast Paper and Supply has been serving locals and businesses for all their cleaning and paper supply needs. With an 1,800-square-foot showroom and nearly 5,000 products, their family-owned and operated business is located at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz. Don't miss our parking lot sale this Saturday, September 8th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You get great deals when we clear out our warehouse on overstocked and close-out items. Call 831-423-3350 or visit CoastPaperSupplyInc.com, a proud member of Think Local First. Yes, it is loud. It is raucous. It is fun. So get up and go for it. Take the family, take friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Don't miss race night at Ocean Speedway. Great competition, great crowd, great food, and best of all, Ocean Speedway is local. If you've never been to the races at Ocean Speedway, you've really been missing out. Don't miss the next race night at Ocean Speedway. At the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds on Highway 152, head to the races at Ocean Speedway. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway. Don't miss the next perspectives. Virtually all cancers are all substantially increased when you're vitamin D deficient. Every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 o'clock. You've tuned in to the Perspectives Radio Show. My name is Donald Davidson. I'm your host. And joining me in the studio as special guest host is Dr. Stan. Join Donald Davidson, Dr. Stanley Monteith, Dr. David Biles, Tom Quinn, and others. Perspectives every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 o'clock on KSCO.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm here today with television and radio host Alan Combs. And before the break, we were discussing the fact that moderate and progressive Republicans have left Washington. But I also feel that the same can be said about moderate Democrats like Bill Richardson. Wouldn't you agree? Haven't they been driven out of the Democratic Party as well? Uh, well, Bill Richardson was a governor after he was uh, a cabinet secretary. Uh, and yes, uh, and he was a congressman, but he... he uh, is not in office because he wasn't reelected as uh, in New Mexico. But he, he, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's true. But, but this but was a fellow that, moderate. yeah. But Alan, this is a fellow that we sent into Korea, North Korea. We sent him into uh, Iraq to extract hostages. He was enormously successful and very good at brokering deals on both sides sides of the aisle. And we don't see him anywhere in Washington D.C. And there are lots of Democrats like that that were really good at bringing both sides of the aisle together. I just don't see them. I think uh, you have a lot more blue dog and moderate Democrats than you have moderate Republicans. The Republican Party, with its freshman class of Tea Partiers, has gotten so far to the right that John Boehner, who's a real deal maker, couldn't even get them to make a deal to uh, raise the debt limit, which they've done many, many times for Republican presidents, to the point where Moody's had a lower our debt rating, our, our credit rating. Uh, I think you find much more moderates, many more moderates. I'd like to see actually more progressives in the Democratic Party. For example, when it was said that Barack Obama had 60 senators who were Democrats and thus could overcome any filibuster, that wasn't really true because you didn't have 60 senators who would vote with the president, including like people like Ben Nelson and Joe Lieberman. So I see many more moderates in the Democratic Party. I'd love to see more progressives in the Democratic Party. I wish the party were more to the left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that brings me to my next issue. I'm, I'm really feeling that divisiveness has caused our government to become gridlocked more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it's Thank now you. impairing our ability to move forward. And the next president, no matter who it is, they're going to have to figure out some way to cross this divide. So whether Obama or Romney wins, aren't they both going to encounter the same partisan resistance? I mean, aren't I we up a, for a fight either way? I don't see equivalency on the left and right. You have a bunch of Republicans who got together even as Obama was being inaugurated and vowing not to work with this president on all my, any, any major legislation. You had Mitch McConnell, the minority leader in the Senate, said my number one political goal is to get this president out of office day one. Uh, you have a Republicans, a bunch of Republicans who have refused to work with this president. When he, wanted, when he didn't want payroll cuts, uh, they were for it. When he wanted payroll tax cuts, they were against it. Whatever he was for, they were against and vice versa. And to make it equivalent as if to say, well, yeah, both parties do it. They, both parties don't do it. And uh, this well, Republican but, Party. But there are, there are plenty of types of legislation that are put out on the floor that, you know, the parties will vote unanimously along party line. And, you know, the Republicans can't be wrong 100% of the time. And the Democrats aren't wrong 100% of the time either. I, I, I mean, statistically, that's impossible. I'm simply saying the atmosphere in this particular Congress has been one that they have en masse decided they were not going to work with this president as evidence for what the minority leader of the Senate actually said. But how different is that, Alan, when uh, when a Republican legislation is put on the table, maybe initiated by a Republican? Uh, how different is that when the Democrats vote unanimously not to support You're talking that? about a piece of legislation. I'm talking about a mindset in this particular Congress against this particular president where they have en masse decided as a group 
they were not going to work with him. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, well, I haven't seen anything like it, too. And so we're definitely in agreement there. I've never seen it so polarized. Have you? I mean, you've been working this circuit a lot longer than I have. Have you ever seen this much polarization? I've never seen the kind of hate directed at a president as I have against this particular president. Even Bill Clinton, who was impeached, uh, this particular president has to face people claiming he wasn't born here. He's not one of us. He's a secret Muslim, as if being Muslim is bad. Uh, the kind of things they throw at this guy is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, it's just, it's ugly, it's nasty, and some of it is racially based. Uh, well, it's it, probably true, but, you know, I have this conversation a lot with my friends. They go, well, there's a lot of people that are not going to vote for Barack Obama because he's black. And I, you know, I have to go back to them and say there's a lot of people that are not going to vote for Mitt Romney because he's white. I'm sorry, it just is not, there's not that level of equivalency. Uh, you're trying to paint a picture, well, like the other side does it, too, so everything's equal. No, not no, I'm not saying it's equal, but I'm saying that there's always going to be some small subset that can't get past the race issue. Don't you and agree? I'm saying there's too large a number of people in this particular case with our first black president. You can't draw equivalency between whites who won't vote for Obama and blacks who won't vote Otherwise, because this is the first time you've ever had a black president. We've always had white presidents. That's right. We've so, never had a yes. choice. So uh, there was never a choice between a black and a white before. This is the first time there's been that choice. So uh, I, I just, again, I don't see the equivalency on the other side here. So, so let me ask you this. Can't accept it. Yeah, let me ask you this. I think that our problems are systemic in nature. I don't think they're a matter of personalities or race or uh, Democrat or Republican. I, I, I stand back and I see some deeply systemic problems. And in a systemic issue, it doesn't matter who you plug into a dysfunctional system. Uh, do you not feel that way? I mean, aren't there, isn't there some part of you that says, gee, it, uh, yes, it doesn't... Yes, I, I agree with you. But what I'm also saying is I think it's worse in this particular environment this year in this election with this president and these particular set of Republicans in Congress with these Tea Party Republicans who have viciously opposed everything he's done simply because they don't like him and you, they care more and you have got a Republican candidate who I think has continued to lie, is running a dishonest campaign and is simply doing things because he is this, just look at the way he's handled this Libya situation, jumping to politicize it the minute we had a uh, upscuttle in the Middle East. Don't and you feel both sides are politicizing no, this? I don't. I'm sorry. Really? I'm not buying a, you really? keep saying both sides, and yeah. I'm saying there's not equivalency. I'm saying I reject the notion that this argument that, that you keep making that the other side does it too as if everything is equal. I'm saying in this environment, this year, with this set of players, it is much worse in terms of the way Republicans have acted toward this particular president. But let me, I, I, I don't, you know, listen, I, I don't want to uh, weigh in on whether Obama or Romney is really treating this situation in the Middle East better than the other. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because yeah. I think Romney's comments were inappropriate. But I also yeah. think that it has been traditional for the Secretary of State to meet with the families of, you know, of uh, uh, injured or deceased um, members of our embassy or um, staff members of the of the State Department. It's very rare, very rare that a president would meet with them. Um, this kind of turned into a media event, which I was a little bit uncomfortable with. Were you at all? Not, no. No. Uh, I, 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 it became a spectacle, and I and I don't like that. I think that mourning is a private thing, and this is a very horrible thing that happened. We now know through videotapes and reporting that it was a it was just absolutely horrific, and well, I, I just don't want to see it turned into a spectacle. 
Well, it's become a political spectacle because of Romney, and because Romney is so ambitious, and uh, cravenly so, that the minute he saw an opening, he decided to attack a president who, by the way, uh, during the Iranian hostage crisis, when Jimmy Carter was president, you had Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush, who both said, we're not going to attack the president at a time like this. And to their credit, they didn't play the game that Romney was playing. Those particular Republicans didn't do what Romney is doing. And that I was a time when we had restraint. Well, there's no restraint now on the part of those who are cravenly interested in regaining power because uh, they are so power-hungry that they, they, they are delusional and, un and unable to act in a dignified manner. Well, I, I think you're right about one thing, is that we have no restraint, no respect. We don't respect the office of the presidency, regardless of who's in it. You know, there's a certain protocol we used to live up to, but we seem to have abandoned that, and just anything's fair game now. And I'm, I'm kind of, like a lot of Americans, I'm a little disgusted by that. Well, true, and... Um Again, you're the office of the president. Uh, it's, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the person and the office of the presidency. But when you try to drag the president down because you don't think he's a legitimate president, because you, because, of, because of a birth certificate that's already been proven to be valid, uh, and you try to impugn the whole validity of his, and I, you, I know that Republicans might say, well, you liberals did this when Bush uh, got in and he was he got in because of what the Supreme Court decided. But I'm not one of those people. I, look, when once the Supreme Court decided that Bush would be president, even if you think that was an ideological choice by a conservative Supreme Court, we had to accept that, okay, he is our president. Yeah. And let's not question That's the right. legitimacy uh, of, of somebody who is either duly elected or if there's a uh, conflict <clears throat> who is then decided by a court that he won the election. Let's, then let's move forward now and accept this person as president rather than, I mean, just in Kansas, for example... But now, I, Alan, I have to take a short break, but okay. when we come back, let's pick up the story on Kansas because sure. I think it is an important point to make. We have to take our last break. You're listening to the Costa Report. There's no question that selling a home can be a tricky business when the economy is uneven. But here's a little bit of good news. Not only are financing options opening up, America's love affair with the Monterey Peninsula still continues. Homes that are priced and marketed right are moving. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner-broker of Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel, where we're happy to report that inventories are coming down and homes are selling. So if you're getting ready to sell or listing your home, call Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel at 831-622-1040 or stop by our offices on the corner of Ocean and Dolores or our main office on Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. Alon Pinnell Realtors, serious brokers for serious sellers. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. 
But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at Rebecca Costa. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy and together let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. September 22nd from 5 to 9 p.m., Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter will host its first ever gala, Top Hat for Tails. The event will feature gourmet food, great entertainment, and an auction with proceeds going directly to support the animal shelter's mission. Hosted on the grounds of a fabulous private estate near Los Gatos, the venue features park-like ambience and stunning views of Santa Cruz Mountains. Bring a leashed, well-mannered dog to this gorgeous, pet-friendly venue. For more information and to purchase tickets, please visit scanimalshelter.org. This event is sponsored in part by KS. Radio. Some statistics are surprising, some are unbelievable, and some are simply unacceptable. Right now, nearly 30% of U.S. students aren't finishing high school. Nearly 30%, and that's the average. In many places, it's even higher than that. And fixing it is a responsibility that we all share. This is President Obama, and I urge everyone not just parents, but friends and neighbors and family members, to take responsibility for encouraging the high school students in your communities, to support them, challenge them, push them a little, and do whatever it takes to help them make it through. Because this is one statistic we simply can't afford to ignore. You can do your part by going to boostup.org and sending an email, a text message, or even a wake-up call to a student at risk of dropping out. Go to BoostUp.org and provide the boost that's needed to make it to graduation. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. Monsanto, DuPont, Bayer, Nestle, Pepsi, and others are spending up to $28 million to shoot down California's Proposition 37. Join me, Michael Olson, Saturday 9 a.m. as the food chain host, Professor Kent Bradford, director of the University of California Seed Biotechnology Center, for a conversation about the labeling of foods that have been genetically modified with foreign genes. It's you and me wondering about our right to know about GMOs. Saturday 9 a.m. on the food chain. What day was that? Welcome back to the Costa Report. Our guest today is television and radio host, Mr. Alan Combs. And before the last break, you were just starting to talk about Kansas. Well, in Kansas, you got the Secretary of State, Ken Kobach, who, Chris Kobach, who is uh, trying to get Obama taken off the ballot because he is questioning the validity of his birth certificate. I mean, come on. Uh, this is how crazy the Republican Party is, right? You've got a Secretary of State of a state saying uh, with, uh, with fellow Republicans to state that maybe the president isn't really a valid candidate. This is a losing battle. At what, at what point do they really give this up and talk about the issues that are truly important to the American people? I have to believe there are other Americans like me that are just disgusted. We're just disgusted. I, I don't care about it. I don't care about the birth certificate. It's not important. What's important? Well, it's important, but it's, it's been it's ridiculous. It's, it's, ridiculous it's, it's, it's just we used to call these red herrings, right? I mean, right. It, it's a diversionary tactic. Everybody gets all emotionally whipped up about it, and it doesn't amount into a hill of beans. We've got some really serious problems, and we better get on top of them. You know, um, let's talk about this because this is going to be a close election. I, I had a chance to interview uh, John Zogby last week, and mm -hmm. according to his and other polls, these 
these these candidates are neck and neck. And even after the Republican and Democratic conventions, neither candidate looks like they've pulled significantly ahead. So let me ask you. Well, actually, that's not true. You have a new polls out that show Obama has taken a lead, especially in the swing states. Uh, yeah, you're talking about Florida and Virginia? And Ohio. Yeah, and, uh, yeah but really then we've got another is. poll. Rasmussen is saying that, uh, you know, first time Romney's up uh, four and five well, points. Well, that's a daily poll, location. but what really matters is the swing states because that's really, that's, that, that's, it's all about the electoral votes. It's not about the popular vote, and it's the swing states that will decide the election. So what do you feel at this point Obama needs to do uh, to swing the vote in his favor in a significant enough way where this is a lockdown? What, what needs uh, to happen between well, now and Election Day? Uh, well, it's really going to be telling are the debates, three presidential debates, one vice presidential debate, which would probably be less telling. But uh, I think that he needs to hold Romney's feet to the fire on what Romney truly believes, because he has been all over the place on the issues. And the president, for his part, needs to really articulate to the American people why his, and he started to do this, and they did it very well, I think, at the Democratic Convention in Charlotte last week, why his policies are better for middle-income Americans than what the Republicans want to do, and he's got to drive that home. I think you're right about that. You know, Zogby mentioned that married men and women are trending more fair, favorably to Romney, whereas single folks seem to be leaning toward Obama. And here's the other thing that's even more interesting is the age demographic. During Romney's speech, there were about 14,000 tweets per minute. Whereas there were about 22,000 during Clinton's speech mm -hmm. at the DNC and 57,000 tweets per minute during Obama's speech, which kind of suggests that there's a younger, more social media savvy demographic that's supporting Obama. My yeah. question is, you know, is this younger audience going to turn out? I think that's key. I think he, uh, in addition to what you mentioned earlier, is uh, getting out the base for both parties. Uh, the Democrats really need to turn out uh, the real base of the party, including the younger voters. And the, the Republicans need to turn out their base uh, in order to get, you know, Romney. And there are some conservatives who really don't trust Romney as a true conservative, given the number of flip-flops he's had. But, yes, key is getting out the base. And as we go forward and the younger people become older people and their views socially, they're much more socially liberal than today's Republican Party which is why the Republican Party has to rethink its views on immigrants, on gays, and even on the pro-choice issue, the choice issue in abortion. So, in truth, that younger vote is harder to get out. That, uh, that's, a, that's a much trickier, that, that's a inspired vote. That's not a practical, I want my taxes reduced, right. you know, I, I want to look at Social Security. That's not that kind of vote. That's an inspired vote. I think that's true. I think these are people, you know, the first time around, they were inspired by Barack Obama. They saw hope. They had hope and change. They saw a new kind of candidate. It's hard to keep that, the thrust of that going for four years, where there's that same level of excitement among those same people. Well, they're because, not excited in the same way. Every right. poll that we look at says that they're a little bit disenfranchised. Sure. How does he remotivate that voting base? Uh, I think he's got to convince people that there is going to be a stark difference between where this country goes if they don't reelect him versus what happens if Mitt Romney gets in and how lives will be much different with a Mitt Romney presidency. For example, what kind of people would Mitt Romney anoint, appoint, or anoint, as the case may be, to the Supreme Court? Do we want a further to the right court than we already have? More decisions like Citizens United? Uh, don't forget, over the next four years, we're likely to lose uh, a couple of more people on the court, and there's a ch chance to reshape the court based on who the president is. And 
And that is often not talked about enough because the court's legacy goes on long past that of any particular president. Well, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see if a Republican president would would consider nominating or, or uh, including Democrats in his cabinet positions, and the same with Obama. Well, Obama's you know, already done that. He's done that, but not to a large enough extent. Well, that's not true. As a matter of fact, he's kept Robert, he kept Robert Gates on as defense secretary. He did. He Roy, had Roy LaHood, Ray Secretary of Transportation. He kept pretty much the same security apparatus as Bush had in place, and so did Clinton, did much of the same thing. He had Bill Cohn as Secretary of Defense. Uh, in fact, the last Democrat, the couple of Democratic presidents have been very in fact, George W. Bush did not do any of that, but the last two Democratic presidents have. Yeah, I would like to see if it happens to be Romney. For an example, Leon Panetta has done a remarkable job. Mm -hmm. I, I well, mean, he he can't he kind of keeps a low profile, but he is one of our great American heroes, and you know, and he doesn't. He's one of these very quiet, unassuming individuals that doesn't need to be in front of the press and take a lot of uh, credit, but. Boy, uh, has he gotten a lot accomplished. You can say the same thing about Gates, who was Bush's defense secretary, who stayed on with Obama. And Obama uh, really did keep many of the same people in place, uh, at least on the security side. So you would think, then, that you would have more of a bipartisan approach and, and that that would sort of take the edge off of the polarization, wouldn't you? You would hope so. But again, you had a Congress in particular that didn't want to work with this president and a very bitter right wing and a Tea Party contingent that really despised him. So, yes, even though the, the president reached out and tried to include Republicans and did include Republicans in his cabinet, there, there was no reciprocity. Okay, so let me just ask you quickly here. I am a big fan of reading your Liberal Land blog. Uh -huh. and they're fantastic. There's a couple of misconceptions out there that are being uh, propagated by uh, Romney and Ryan, uh, the, some facts that are incorrect. Can you name a couple of those for our audience well, they today? Can. For example, they keep claiming that the president wants to take the work requirement out of welfare. That's just not true. In fact, what he's done is offer the state's flexibility, but with no work requirement removed, the same flexibility that Romney wanted and fought for when he was governor of Massachusetts. So this, uh, this lie that they keep telling that the president uh, wants to take away the work requirement. The other thing is that, the, especially in the last 48 to 72 hours, they keep repeating this, the meme of the week that the president continues to apologize for America. The president has never apologized for America. In the Libya tragedy, there was no apology to America. In the statement put out by the embassy, there was no apology. Uh, there was condemnation, but not an apology. Mm -hmm. and, and they have said ever since the president went into office and spoke in France and spoke in Cairo at the beginning of his presidency, that he went on some kind of apology tour, wrote Karl Rove in the Wall Street Journal. There was no apology tour. He never apologized for the country, and they're trying to act as if the president is somehow un-American or not proud of America because he's apologizing for us, and that is just blatantly untrue. But even if he was, and, he, and you know, look, no nation is always 100% correct in what they do 100% of the time, despite their good intentions. But if we are wrong, there is nothing wrong with apologizing. It doesn't make uh, We have apologized. We apologize for the Tuskegee. Um, uh, experiments on, on African-Americans. We've apologized. The for, Japanese uh, internment camps. Japanese, yes. When, when we're wrong, when we're We've wrong, we should apologize. That's what We've we tell our children to, to do. Back in my book, and thank the liberals, I have a list of these kinds of apologies by both Republican and Democratic presidents 
uh, when wrongs have been committed by us based on the incidents we just mentioned. So, yes, there are times when we really should apologize for our behavior. Well, you're not going to believe this, but that is all the time we have. No, it can't be. Yes, it is. But before I say goodbye, I just want to thank you for being a phenomenal voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. Thank you for being with us, Mr. Combs. Thanks for your time. My name is Alan. Thank you. <laughs> If your station is leaving us after the first hour, my guest next week is former senior campaign advisor to Obama and chief of staff to Vice President Biden, Ms. Patty Solis Doyle. She'll be here to talk about the difference between the 2008 campaign and running as an incumbent in 2012. Don't miss an opportunity to get an insider's perspective from Patty Solis Doyle. That's next week, right here on your favorite weekly news program. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and you're listening to the Costa Report. Hello, my name is Tom Burkhart, founder and CEO of Savant Investment Group. We recently opened an office on the Monterey Peninsula headed by local 22-year resident Peter Truman. Our firm began working with clients in the Bay Area 20 years ago. We understand the anxiety of the typical investor, particularly in these volatile times. We're SEC registered, we don't sell products, and we don't receive commissions. We are fee-only advisors. We have several strategies that focus on cash flow to meet your retirement income needs while reducing the risk of the overall portfolio. We manage accounts for $1 million and above. You can reach us at 1-800-672-8268, 1-800-672-8268, and visit our website at www.savantig.com. Again, www.savantig.com. Thank you. Hi, folks. Warren Knox here of Knox Roofing. Going through my tackle box the other day brought to mind all the choices we have. Lures like a Castmaster, a Wobble Right, Super Dupers, Ford Fenders, a Crocodile, Panther Martin, or a Blue Fox. A Hoochie might work. It's hard to know which one. All work differently. When it comes to hiring a roofing contractor, it's a lot like a tackle box. Lots of choices between contractors. Some look flashy, talk, dress fancy have a lot of promises and can be very convincing and pretty. But when it comes to your home, especially your roof, there's only one choice to get the job done right, and that's Knox Roofing. So folks, don't get lured in by a flashy contractor. Knox Roofing tells it straight. We have a track record unsurpassed in the community. If poor workmanship and substandard materials is what you're looking for, Knox Roofing is not for you. So give Knox Roofing a call today. We'll be a good catch for you at 461 634. Thanks, folks. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 